This is Stefan Chavidjan. I am the co-founder and CEO of National Christian Foundation of South Florida. And if you've been listening for any bit of time, you've probably heard that already. So nothing new to you. But I am honored and privileged to introduce to you another dear, dear friend. A friend, some of you may know of Roy Moore. Some of you may have heard of his reputation, and some of you may have no idea who he is. And uh, over probably the next one or two podcasts, we're going to have some conversations that I think you're going to find enlightening. But I have been privileged in my life to be able to uh, meet and be inspired and influenced by some really amazing people. Some of them uh, live in uh, this area. Some of them live in other parts of the world. I'm sure you could say the same. And um, I can tell you with great integrity that Roy is one of those uh, people. Uh, he as His life uh, crossed my life, oh, probably eight, nine, ten years ago. Um, that journey has begun, and I believe I'm a much better person because of Roy. Um, Roy, I'm not sure, so sure it's much better because of me, but I'm not so sure where it's equal here. But for sure, I know I'm way uh, I'm a much better leader. I'm a much better husband. I'm a much better Christian. I'm a much better in every aspect because of Roy's influence on my life. And so therefore, I want to be generous because this is called the generous life. And I want to be generous and introduce you to this dear, dear friend. So why don't we give uh, Roy Moore a wonderful South Florida welcome. Welcome, Roy. Well, thank you, Stefan. Thank you. This is a mutual admiration society because uh, I'm certainly a better man because of our relationship. So. Well, you're... I don't know. I've gotten you involved in a lot of things. I know that. You have indeed. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. It's like when someone says, hey, do you know someone who could serve on a board? I go, yeah, Roy. Uh, So, uh, and uh, I'll tell you what, one thing I've noticed about you is um, whenever I've introduced you to an idea or a person or an initiative, the feedback has always been that it's better because of you. And uh, every single time that's been the case, um, I've never had to cover your tracks. I've never had to say, yeah, that's just the way Roy is, or, oh, I'm so sorry that happened. Never, ever, ever. It is always like, I'm a better leader because of that. Our organization is better. Oh, my goodness. I'm so honored to have that man serve on our board. So um, I am just very, very grateful for that. And like I said, we'll continue to glean as much as I can uh, without being overly selfish. Well, I'm humbled by that, and that's quite kind of you to say that. And Thank you. Man, it's, it's all about serving, right? It is about serving. So, so now that I've you know, embellished all these wonderful things about you, um, tell us a little bit who is Roy Moore. Tell us a little bit of – just a quick little bio on, on you, your, your life, your family, your business, where, uh, what you're up to nowadays so people have a little context. Certainly. Well, I'll hit the highlights. Um, uh, first of all, uh, I accepted the Lord at the age of 21 or whopping 40 years ago. Mm. I mean, boy, <laughs> time flies. <laughs> uh, I am the husband of a wonderful woman uh, that uh, I am privileged to do life with mm. and uh, have uh, three kids, five grandkids. And I know I'm crossing over into the old side because nobody ever says, man, you look too young to have those kids mm-hmm. anymore. whatever. It's, <laughs> it's a change. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I have wonderful friends and relationships. Mm-hmm. So those are the things that, that fill my life. Uh, on the bottom of the stack, frankly, is that I, I've been a serial entrepreneur, mm-hmm. uh, 35 years as, as an entrepreneur. I'm an investor mm-hmm. and uh, founder and, and um, serve in various nonprofit capacities. Mm-hmm. And have uh, really been privileged in that journey. 
Uh, on the entrepreneurial front, had uh, six different exits, different companies. Mm-hmm. Um, really enjoy that, largely in the tech space, primarily okay. in telecom. Uh, the last one was a smart grid. I had one foray, uh, which was a lot of fun mm-hmm. in the consumer packaged goods uh, market, which was a little bit like uh, mental floss mm-hmm. just to get away from a phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I'm, I'm, I have been historically proud to say that we developed the uh, mobile networks and mm. the towers and all the steel and things that went into those. Um, but some days, some days, sometimes mm. when I look at what the uh, these little phones have done to our lives and with our lives, I'm I thought we were building a productivity tool, and I didn't realize we were <laughs> yeah. building a gateway into people's lives, right. you know, <laughs> around which they would they would form their life. So yeah. it's a little bit different. Yeah. What um, interesting though, because in some ways you were in the tech space fairly early on, and um, building the networks and doing some of that those other aspects. What was it that attracted you? into that space? I mean, is it just that you had great foresight or one thing led to another, led to another, led to another, and one day you wake up and you're in that space? No, I was I was blessed to have been born um, to two entrepreneurs mm. and uh, who had foresight. In 1952, they formed a company. Um, it was called Forward Tower at the time, later mm. called FWT because we did you know, also these Highline Towers, transmission towers, things like okay. that, a bunch of steel. Okay. okay? And um, through a whole set of events, uh, my father ended up uh, welding towers and making broadcast towers mm. back in the day because okay. then you went from broadcast to to uh, microwave. And the bottom line is, is uh, and I've said this before, I'd much rather be lucky mm-hmm. <laughs> than smart. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is the progression of the use of towers and wireless technologies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just happened to jump on the train when mm-hmm. mobile networks were being formed. We were mm-hmm. moving from fiber optics, which yeah. uh, with MCI, which was, you know, laying fiber down uh, the uh, where trains run. Yeah. And um, and then moving into truly, first of all, there were the the sort of metropolitan mm-hmm. uh, mobile networks, and then it moved into the rural networks. And we just happened to jump on at the right time. Fascinating. Now, with technology changing, I mean, out in, in today's world, we're watching, you know, companies like Starlink putting up, you know, satellites in space, you know, technically wrapping the world with internet coverage. Does that affect the tower world or in some ways, or does it just re reimagines it or recalibrates it? It supports it. Um, okay. it, it there's a, there's a, a terrestrial network as well. And, okay. and I'll say terrestrial because um, that includes wireless and wired. So right. it's the same way when you're using your mobile phone and you connect it to, you know, allow it to make Wi-Fi calls, right? right? So whenever you drop it, it, it is uh, allowing you to access another okay. network to complete a call. So it's seamless. Yeah, that's right. the idea. Is it's, it's seamless in what's called software-defined networks so that if one, one path fails, you have an alternate. Right. Okay. Interesting. So that's your business career. Uh, came to know the Lord at 20. Uh, tell us a little bit about your faith journey. Um, and also how that incorp- you know, impacted your family, how that impacted your business life, those kinds of things. Yeah, I, you know, when I start out, I mean, um, really trying to understand um, how, how faith was to play out specifically in my life. Mm. Um, I was raised by believers. Mm-hmm. I'm in a family of believers. As a matter of fact, our latest gathering every, every, I'm, I'm glad to say every uh, everyone in my family over the age of six is a believer, mm. and um, and that's a legacy, and that's a legacy of my yeah, parents, and in particular my mom. Um, the uh, the faith journey was not 
was not easy in, in my particular case. So there was a point where I was walking down the down the uh, the path of faith. We had I felt called to to you know sort of start of Sunday school. I was in the Baptist church where I was, and we started a Sunday school. Um, there were there were two of us that uh, decided we'd try and teach, and um, in about two years, we had. Uh, the Lord called. We had about 250 to 300 people who would be in the in the class at wow. any given weekend, mm, mm. and um, and it was exciting. And uh, but here was the challenge. Mm. Uh, the challenge was I ended up uh, going through a divorce, mm. and that really was a twist and mm. a turn. Mm. And I felt like that um, the Lord wasn't going to trust me with mm. with a flock anymore. Mm. And uh, and while while I may have been um, uh, scripturally okay and sound in terms mm-hmm. of the the reasons I, I pressed forward on that, mm-hmm. I felt like um, the only thing mm. you could trust me with is a dollar. Mm. And so the um, entrepreneurial path continued on, and um, and we were blessed with much financial success in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we could fund different initiatives that we felt called to do. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think he would use me and my voice. Interesting. And um, but that changed. That changed when I came here mm-hmm. uh, to uh, to South Florida, mm-hmm. and I became uh, involved in life work. Mm. And when I got involved in life work, uh, I realized the connection um, between me and God needed to be restored. The fact mm-hmm. is, I hadn't forgiven myself. God had forgiven me a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, he had. And, uh, and so when I started advancing, one of the things that made a huge difference, it was a huge shift for me, um, was we founded a, an organization called Be Strong. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's an organization that deals with kids K through 12 in the public school system across mm-hmm. the country. It's really about bullying prevention, mental health, anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation. And in the process of that, we, we set up a tour across Florida mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Nick Vujicic, mm-hmm. and he was going to speak in the schools. I remember that. And, um, and that was very exciting because we reached about 750,000 kids with that mm-hmm. message. Mm-hmm. But punctuating at the end of that was an opportunity to go into FAU Stadium mm-hmm. in cooperation with churches mm-hmm. and to have uh, – 19,939 people, but who's counting? Who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> in FAU Stadium to yeah. hear an evangelistic message and to have that. over 5,000 people make a decision. I remember being on the the uh, the grounds mm-hmm. down below while Nick was preaching, mm-hmm. and I'm looking up into the stands, mm-hmm. and I just remember uh, tears rolling down my eyes, even comes to me today, mm-hmm. to say, thank you, Lord, because mm-hmm. you used me. Yeah. And I realized from that point, I was like, "Wow, I can make a difference." Yeah. He he trusts me. Yeah. And when he says he, you know, to be an instrument of righteousness in his hands, what yeah. a privilege that yeah. is. So, and um, and to be around people that do that, yeah. you, Stefan, when mm. you when I sit in a room with you, I know God put His finger on you and He provided mm. favor. Mm. Had an opportunity to sit in a room with a, a gentleman by the name of Dallas Jenkins recently, mm-hmm. recently mm-hmm. right? The Who's, chosen, yeah, yeah, the Chosen series. Mm-hmm. And I sat there in, in many ways humble, as well as Mark Green, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody has a role. But I'm sitting there looking at Dallas, who had failed, mm-hmm. his description failed, in advancing a series. And um, and yet, mm-hmm. and yet, yeah. he, God touched an ordinary man to retell his story. How many people have told mm-hmm. Jesus' story? Right. But the way he chose to tell a story, yeah. reached 330 million people, and yeah. will reach a billion or more. And more, right, yeah. and continues to this day. And continues to stir not only believers, but those who don't. So yeah. my point is, is um, 
my journey was not a straight path like mm. most. Right. Um, and uh, and I and so it was a period of deep faith, mm-hmm. questioning my faith, but recognizing mm-hmm. I was just basically in it. I was t- I was t- supposed to apportion the uh, mm-hmm. the cattle on a thousand fields, right? right. I mean, so hills. Right. And uh, but then realizing that God said, "No, I I trust you. Yeah. You just have to have that faith in yourself." I find that story. One of there's so many really takeaway principles that I think relate to. Um, even what we talk about with the generous life here on this podcast and as we talk and interview with people and, and you know, we really, we often say that in, in our uh, statement, we'll say that our mission is that we redefine generosity and reimagine our communities. And that is really stemmed from a deepening understanding of the gospel, that the more I understand the gospel which stands for good news of God's love for me. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. The more you understand the gospel, the more those who are listening understand the gospel, the default reaction to that is living a generous life. You know, the more I understand how much I'm forgiven, the the capacity for me to forgive increases. But if I find someone that has a hard time to to forgive, usually that's an indicator in my head this person has not yet fully understood what it's meant to be forgiven, you know, and what baggage they may. So I find it interesting. Here you are, ministry's going, you know, you've got businesses going good, family, come to know Christ. You're teaching this great Sunday school. Everything's happening. Hundreds of people attending weekly. Um, you go through a divorce. And though, like you said, scripturally, um, it, you know, you you had grounds to stand on as to why the divorce um and and yet there was that voice that had crept somewhere into your head going well you're no longer qualified to represent god you know so why don't you just go make your money and uh, and it goes back to our whole thing here when we talk about the generous life is the tearing down of the sacred and the secular wall well you go do the secular thing go make money with steel and technology but how dare you think that you're sacred and that you can represent the heart of God? So just go make money and give it to the people who are the sacred ones, who haven't messed up, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and the narrative – and I think I think a lot of us live in that world. And I think there are a lot of people that – it may not be a divorce. It may not – the narrative may be different. But to sit there and go, I don't think I'm qualified to be a, a front player in God's – in God's world, you know, I'll just go quietly in the back and make my money and throw it over to the church or my favorite charity. And, yeah. you know, and then I can keep score by, you know, the more I make, the more I give, which you know, is a part of generosity. But frankly, like when I think of you, um, yeah, you're a generous person through your giving at NCF and other things, but it's really more the fact that you're lending your experiences, your your integrity, your transparency, you're lending that to other people. I mean, as you say, as you coach other people, CEOs, as you pour into their lives, to me, that's frankly uh, much more generous and the ability to say, well, here, let me give you a thousand bucks. And a lot of people wouldn't do that because it's a lot easier to give money than to give of your time most of the time. You know, I think, uh, Stefan, in part, that's a, a function of the season of life, mm. right? Um, I, I recently lost my my mom in August, mm. 
And um, yeah, I read her obit. That, I wish I'd known her. She <laughs> sounded like an amazing woman. She was a phenomenal person. Yeah. I was I was truly blessed to call her mom. Mm. Um, but it was uh, uh, it turned out to be an inspiration to me. Mm-hmm. It sort of said uh, I'm I'm about to turn uh, sixty two, and it was an inspiration to say, you know what, you got another twenty. Mm-hmm. And what's the last 20 going to look like? Mm-hmm. And um, there's a season when you go through, you know, you have fluid intelligence when you're younger. It's crystalline intelligence when you get older. Mm-hmm. It's the mm-hmm. ability to see, sort of hold a constellation of ideas in suspense, be comfortable with the with the time it takes to resolve it, but then pull the line that takes all those things together mm-hmm. and gives it form and, and, and ideally a vector, right? Mm-hmm. It's a magnitude and direction in a certain way. And, um, and I want to be, you know – uh, you know, I want to be one who's holding up the arms of the leader. I want, you know, I, I don't know who the Moses is, but I want to be one of those who's holding up the arms. Yeah. And I think that's the season of life. Yeah. And um, and and I really am enjoying that. Yeah, well, I'm enjoying it. I feel like it's I feel like it's the calling, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's what we're trying to do is to be true to the call. No, and I, you know, I I think of uh, when you talk about even your, I would call it maybe in some ways your wilderness years. Uh, wilderness in one sense, not in another. But, um, you know, I was recently having this dialogue, and I've thought about this quite often, and it's nothing new for some people, maybe new for others. But, you know, I look at the life of of a Moses who lived, according to Scripture, uh, 120 years. Um, and basically his life is broken up into three sort of buckets. There was the first 40 where he was raised in the house of Pharaoh, well-educated, lived a life as a truly a prince of Egypt, um, and therefore, and, and as a result of some behavior of his, you know, some of it his own, some of it not his own, he ended up getting expelled and then lives 40 years in the wilderness taking care of sheep, sitting on a rock, weren't even his sheep, it was belonged to his father-in-law. And then 40 years after that, he's asked by God to go and lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And then because of their disobedience, they spend 40 years in the desert again. And like I, if you if you take away the – you know, we, we sanitize scripture many times and we think of it as this cute little story. But when you think about – I've often thought, you know, Moses had this identity issue in the first 40 years. Am I a Hebrew? Am I a Pharaoh? You know, what's going on? Who am I? You know, like we all do. And we're dealing with that in our culture to this day. I think people are like, who am I? Am I a Republican? Am I a Democrat? Am I a man? Am I a woman? Am I a Christian? Am I not a Christian? Am I vaccinated? Am I not vaccinated? You know, am I conservative? Am I liberal? I mean, everybody's having these identities. I think that's common. But as as a result of his conflict, you know, uh, one thing leads to another, and then he ends up being expelled. And and then I'm sitting there thinking that for 40 years he's sitting on that rock. I'm sure he thought many a time, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Like if I just hadn't beat up that guy and killed him, you know, mm. I could have still been the prince of Egypt. Or maybe at the same time he's going, you know, I'm so happy I'm out of Egypt. I'd rather sit here on this rock. You know, but 40 years. It wasn't just for mm. 40 days or – and. And like, but however, when we look at the story in hindsight, it's like God orchestrated perfectly because he had 40 years to understand the culture of Egypt, 40 years to understand the culture of living in the wilderness, taking care of sheep, both of which were necessary for him to have spent the next 40 years taking care of the children of Israel, which were sheep without a shepherd, in the wilderness that had come out of Egypt 
And they themselves were trying to redefine their identity. Who are we? We were slaves. Now we're free. We don't even know what that means. Oh, we're the children of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What does that mean? And if we know our scriptures, Moses was the author of the first five books of the Bible. So Moses was the one authoring their history. Mm. So I hear your story and I tie it together because I can think of, you know, we can look, all of us, we could sort of sit there, there's seasons in our life, hey, this is what I was doing in this season. And then through a variety of circumstances, God moved me into another season. Sometimes they're dry, sometimes they're fruitful. All the reason God is continuing to layer one season after another season after another season, preparing us for the season we're in now. So you're not forgotten, you're not overlooked. You know, I think sometimes we almost feel like, oh, my best years are behind me. When I think of you, I think everything you've experienced in your faith, a divorce, now a happily married man, you know, um, your uh, business uh, experiences, ups and downs and all that, all that stuff. Now you're able to sit at the table with men and women, CEOs, you coach or convene group, you speak at LifeWork Leadership, you sit on a bunch of different boards. Now you're able to take cul- the culmination of all of that and and drop these little nuggets of wisdom, not just because you read the latest you know book on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list, but because you've lived it. And, and that's, I think, why your words carry so much because you, you, the well goes deep. And it, well, thank you, mm-hmm. um, first of all, because I, I, I hope that I can be a vessel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's another season in Moses' life, mm-hmm. and it's at the very end, mm-hmm. right? And he's looking at the promised land, but not able to enter yeah. it yeah. and to be comfortable with that. Yeah, because um, yeah, you it's, can imagine. It's the assignment. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's, a, that's a level of comfort, I think, that comes with maturity. And to know that mm-hmm. you are be used to pa- you are used to pass along three other seasons, mm-hmm. but this is where you stop. Yeah, and he wasn't. It's not, it wasn't like he, <laughs> he was wasn't entitled. grumbling. <laughs> no, it was almost like he was. I mean, he was human enough to know, but it wasn't like he's entitled. I mean, it was right. like this is your assignment, and the assigner says to you, "Okay, we're done." And uh, you, I'm, I'm sure he went like, "Really? I'd love to go into that promised land." And he was like, "Well, I'm actually bringing you into a, another promised land." Yeah, you know, it's yeah. uh, vastly greater than the one that's across the River Jordan. And um, yet, he would, had collected all these experiences, and he could have he could have gone over, but that right. wasn't his assignment. No, and I feel like you know when I'm looking into the next twenty years, I've started to to have a really good sense of what the assignment yeah. is, and I'm comfortable with it. Well, let's end on that because we're going to go to part B because I want to dig a little bit deeper into that assignment, and I think you've got a lot of little. Uh, bits of wisdom that any and every one of us could garner from and go, I, I need I need that principle in my life right now. And so um, when we get back here on part two, uh, we will do that. So I want to thank you, Roy, for introducing yourself to us. And uh, I'm going to encourage all of you all to uh, listen to our next podcast with Roy Moore as we talk about um, the idea of how do you take all these experiences that we have in our lives and then these, this, uh, how God sort of redeems these things. And, and I think, Roy, you're going to find Roy has a lot of wisdom, uh, practical wisdom, uh, particularly for those of you that are in the marketplace, in the business world, and have any degree of leadership, whether you're leading a team of two or you're leading a team of 25,000. Um, but when you find yourself as a leader, there are times when you're uh, – 
needing to understand it's lonely and you need to understand uh, how do I actually lead effectively and if you're a man or woman of faith how do I not compromise my faith in the process and do it right and I think we'll find some of that so again thank you guys for joining us here at the generous life and uh, until we meet again God bless you and thank you Roy all right thank you Thank you for joining us today at the Generous Life Podcast. If you'd like to know a little bit more about how NCF can serve you or how you may be able to get involved, please find us at ncfgiving.com forward slash South Florida. Again, ncfgiving.com forward slash South Florida. God bless you and thank you for joining the Generous Life Podcast.